Hi, I'm Jordan. And I'm Kit. Welcome to Starry Time, where stars plus lines equal stories. On today's podcast, we are going to be visiting the fish of the night sky, the constellation Pisces. Pisces is the 14th largest IAU recognized constellation and is one of the great, 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 48 constellations identified by Ptolemy. If you want to learn more about Ptolemy, you can check out last month's episode on Aquarius. Mm -hmm. The constellation Pisces has been associated with two fish as early as 2300 BC, where it is seen engraved on an Egyptian coffin lid. We also see this image of two-corded fish as early as 10,000 BC in a petroglyph in India. Yeah, and I was able to find pictures of these, so I'll post them over on our Twitter, at StarrytimePod, around the release so folks can see the corded fish. Perfect. But yeah, okay, if we're trying to figure out when or where to find it, the constellation, of course, has been associated with two fish for thousands and thousands of years, but looking up at the outline in the sky, it doesn't exactly scream fish to me. <laughs> you you didn't think having to draw the entire fish in to the constellation of fish screamed fish? I mean, not exactly. <laughs> I mean, eventually when I figure out that there was going to be a rope, mm -hmm. that helped. But I don't attach fish to rope often, so that didn't, like, bounce right in my head. But looking at it, once you saw the outline, you can see sort of like an elongated serpent. Maybe mm -hmm. like an eel looking at it, which is a water creature. Mm -hmm. But yeah, when I see it from the stars, it kind of looks like two blobs on a rope. Ha yeah. I mean, how about you, Kit? Did you, did you see the fish? No, I, I couldn't really get to fish. To me, it looked like a lasso or a animation of a bouncing ball. And I will say that I was pretty embarrassed last month with my descriptions of Aquarius. <laughs> Which were very descriptive. Yeah, I mean, you described it as an E or an M, <laughs> of which there may be an infinity in the night sky, if you look carefully. But hey, you saw what you saw. Yeah, but I really tried to push myself this month, so I took the figure of the constellation, I flipped it around, I really tried to really tried to like make my eyes go a little blurry, and I turned my head. It kind of reminded me of the crack in Doctor Who season five. From the new Doctor Who, the first season with Matt Smith and the crack in Amy Pond's wall that keeps showing up. Yeah, exactly. And I was talking to one of the friends of the pod and they were like, nobody's going to get that reference. Mm. But I put it on Twitter, the picture of the crack, no context, and the people knew. The people knew what it was. I mean, that doesn't surprise me at all. It's a great season. The crack comes up in like four or five episodes. And I hope there's got to be some overlap with the Doctor Who fandom. We're talking about mythology. We're talking about astronomy here. If we can't get that group we're doing something wrong. <laughs> I mean, I do post Doctor Who stuff on our Twitter, so if you're not here for it, um, sorry. I guess. Sorry, yeah, sorry. But yeah, the fish, not clear to me. And all I can really say, like you said earlier, is that the part that connects the fish together does look like a cord. I said, well, that, that does look like a cord. Yeah, that part is convincing. 
Yeah. And you can see going back through history, it has all sorts of different names, this cord. Ptolemy calls this connection the thread. Cicero calls them the bonds. In Arabic, they're known as al-hayt al-kateni, which just means the flaxen thread. So there's been all sorts of different names for what exactly this particular element is made of. But in the constellation, fish on a rope, that's been a central icon since day one. So let's get more into the astronomy. Pisces is comprised of 18 stars, and we know at least 13 of these stars have planets. But 18 is kind of a lot. Yeah. So in keeping with our usual tradition, we're going to focus only on the three brightest stars of the constellation. Yeah, that sounds good to me. I mean, if you're listening out there and you want to look up all 18, I'm sure they're pretty fascinating. You do you. Mm -hmm, Totally. But before we start, I do have a pronunciation question. Of course you do. It wouldn't be Starry Time Podcast without one. As we all remember from our discussion of Bayer designations, stars in a constellation take the Latin possessive case of the name of the constellation. Obviously. So for Pisces, should that be Piscium or Piscium? I wasn't sure. I mean, didn't you take three years of Latin? Well, we just pretend high school didn't happen. I blocked it out. All right, fair enough. That's a good coping strategy. Well, looking at the IAU, neither of your guesses seem to be correct. Their pronunciation leans closer to Piscium or Pish-ium. All right, well, I'll try my best to get it right, but I might have just internalized my pronunciations in my head, and we'll just, that's fine. So the brightest star in Pisces is called Alferg or Eta Piscium. All right, I don't know the Greek alphabet very well, but I do know that Eta isn't even in the first few letters. So this is looking like another hard L for our guy Bayer. Sorry, Johan, the dunks will continue. I mean, I guess on one sense he did do a good job, you know, like looking at stars <laughs> and confirming their existence. You know, mm-hmm. that they are there and mm-hmm. as far as getting their accurate dimensions and which one is brighter than others, uh, not really a strong suit. Setting the bar low. I mean, he's got to start somewhere, sure. After Ptolemy, there's been a big gap. But all right, mm-hmm. tell me a little bit more. The brightest star, you said it's called Alferg? Yeah, Alferg is one of its names, although I really couldn't find an explanation for the meaning of this name or where it comes from. At least one source said it comes from the traditional Babylonian name. I don't know if it has some kind of roots in Arabic, like many of the other names of stars that aren't following the Bayer designation, but I really couldn't find anything about it. So I I don't know. If anyone else knows, let us know. I know exactly. I looked it up because oh, I care really? about this what? podcast. Yes, it's actually you the star. Something? Yeah, it's the star that Alf, the 80s sitcom <laughs> hero, comes from. Uh, oh Alfred takes its name from Alf. <laughs> They, they knew about him back in ancient Babylon. He came and visited them, taught them all how to build the ziggurat. Mm-hmm. Alf has been an important part of human history for thousands of years. Oh, boy. All right. Well, I'm sure that's definitely true. Hey, if you have a counter-argument or you have some conflicting research, let us know. As far as I know, Alferg is named after Alf and all of his contributions to the development of human civilization. Well, that may or may not be true, but what is true is that Eta Piscium is what's called a double star. It's located in the cord connecting to the northern fish, and its primary star is a G-type giant that's located 350 light years from the sun in what they call the thin disk population of the Milky Way. Wait, okay. 
a thin disc? Does that mean as opposed to like a thick disc or? Actually, yes. Thin disc and thick disc populations are technical terms. So in our galaxy, which is a barred spiral galaxy, we have thin and thick disc populations as well as a prominent galactic bulge. Not just a galactic bulge, a prominent galactic (laughs) bulge. Listeners out there, I wouldn't Google that. Could be some PG-13 astronomy content. But all right, what other kinds of galaxies are there out there other than barred spiral? Do they all got these bulges or, or what? how's it work? So glad you asked. So there are a few different galaxy classification schemes, which are also called galaxy morphological classifications. And one of the still popular ones that appears to be widely used comes from Edwin Hubble. Ah, Hubble, like the namesake of the telescope. Exactly. One and the same. My background on my computer is the Hubble Deep Field. Yeah, I think you've had that one for a little bit, huh? A long while. Um, Inspirational. Eight to ten years? Yeah, yeah. that sounds about right. Consistent. So Edwin Hubble classified galaxies based on their shapes. There were four general categories, elliptical, spiral, barred spiral, and then, of course, a sort of irregular or other category. And I was reading that these irregular galaxies are often chaotic. That's actually where I identify when I have to take my census. Chaotic galaxy, check. Yeah, so basically Hubble provided this scheme to classify how spirally things were and takes into account the various bulge and arm shapes of galaxies. Science, everybody. Bulge and arm shapes. <laughs> this work was elaborated on from de Valacours, who added some more depth, but honestly, the basic premise is just the shape that they are. And the Milky Way, as I said, is a barred spiral with well-defined arms. That's looking like someone's dream dating profile right there. Um, And to actually circle back to your original question, not all galaxies have a, quote, classical galactic bulge that we see in the Milky Way. For example, irregular and very elliptical galaxies don't really have this feature in the same way that spiral galaxies do. But uh, yeah, that's, that's what you have, a long answer to a short question. It was a great little snapshot, and I learned not all galaxies are bulging. (laughs) I'll keep us moving here. The second brightest star is Gamma Piscium. Again, not an alpha or a beta, so zero for two for Bayer. Mm -hmm. It's 138 light years from Earth and is classified as a yellow giant. The star is about 5.5 billion years old Mm. and is part of an asterism called the Circlet of Pisces. And at long last, the third brightest star is Alpha Pisium. Oh, he, he got there in the end. Which is a binary star located 151 light years from the solar system. There you go, Bayer. One out of three, not bad. <laughs> at least you identified it was one of the three brightest stars, if not <laughs> mm-hmm. the actual brightest. All right, Alpha Pisium is also called Aresca, which is derived from the Arabic words meaning either cord or not, which makes sense since it's located near the center of the cord. Yeah, and Alpha Piscum A is also an Alpha 2 Canum Venaticorum variable star. Whoa, there's the Latin, <laughs> little Miss Latin, Miss Kit. Um, and yeah, we should definitely talk about variable stars only just the once. Um, maybe do a little asterism on variable stars another time. Yeah, we can talk about them when we get to Hydra or Dorado or Ursa Major. But all right, we got the brightest stars summarized. We dunked on Bayer. Let's mm-hmm. take a quick break and then find out what star or space object here in Pisces has earned the honor of your gold star of the month.
Welcome back. In this segment called Gold Star, Kit and I alternate picking the star or space object in our monthly constellation that captures our minds or our hearts. This month, Kit was responsible for picking up the gold star. So which direction did you decide to go? There were a few interesting objects in Pisces. I was tempted to pick the exoplanet GU Piscum B, which is a planet that's orbiting its gas giant star at 2000 AU, or 2000 times the distance of our Earth to the sun, which means it's still somehow orbiting just so far away from its star. I was really intrigued by a solitary white dwarf named Van Man star, but when I started to look more into this star, I realized that the only reason I was really considering it was because Van Man has a whole section on his Wikipedia that's just titled Known for Faulty Results. Good job, Van Manen. <laughs> but he got the star named after him. Right, and so there wasn't that much there, so in the end, I decided to go with NGC 660. Whoa, okay, is that a star? Is that a planet? I mean, it's catchy. It's kind of got like a Star Trek ship name, you know, Enterprise. Mm -hmm. NGC, NCC, very close. But NGC 660 is a galaxy. Unlike other galaxies, it doesn't have a more descriptive name like we know about the Helix Nebula or the Pillars of Creation, but it's a really beautiful polar ring galaxy. And I chose this one because in 2012, astronomers saw a bright explosion, brighter than a supernova, and it has been hypothesized to have been a black hole burp. Wow, that's some new terminology here. Yeah, I don't know what a black hole burp is, but it was intriguing. I mean, you do love black holes. I really do. Top three natural phenomena. And so I love to see black holes in the news. NGC 660 is unique looking. I love it. I'm here for it. It wins. It burps. It wins. <laughs> Welcome to the club, NGC 660. A great Ooh. choice, Kit. We've explored the astronomical elements of this constellation. Let's get into mythology of Pisces together after a quick break. Now that we have our cosmic background and a little bit of history, let's talk about the myths related to the constellation Pisces. Notice I didn't get to ask you the requisite, so what did you remember about this myth, Kit? That's what happens when I'm in charge of the script. I just change it to make myself look better. <laughs> I did know that this myth was about two fish, but I really didn't have any details. And honestly, when I did the research, there wasn't much there, and it was it's hardly even really about fish. I mean, it's true. There are a few versions of the Greco-Roman myths about Pisces, but all of which are kind of variants on a very similar story. And some of them include our favorite god killer, Typhon! Triumphant return for Typhon! Ooh. As we discussed in Capricornus, Typhon is basically a big bad in Greek mythology. He's the father of monsters. He comes along and tries to wreck Zeus on multiple occasions. Mm -hmm. The hero that we all need. Ganymede could have definitely used his help. <laughs> Alright, in this myth, we are back in the battle between Zeus and Typhon that we learned about in the myth of Capricornus. Now though, we shift our attention away from the seagoat and towards Aphrodite and Eros. 
Yeah, so Aphrodite for the Greeks and Venus for the Romans was the goddess of love and fertility, though there were some who worshipped her as a goddess of the sea or as a goddess of war in Sparta or in some other places in the ancient world. I mean, that checks out, sure. Yeah, it makes sense that in Sparta they would worship a goddess of love also as a goddess of war, but she's mostly identified as the goddess of love. It all depends on who's, you know, writing about her or what. Exactly, and the same goes for Eros or Cupid. Sometimes he's the son of Aphrodite and Ares, the god of war. Sometimes he's a primordial being who's part of the mythological cosmology of the world. And sometimes he's a child of one of these Gen 1 gods, uh, Nyx in particular, the knight. Perfect. So in the Greco-Roman myth, Aphrodite and her maybe, probably son, maybe primordial being, either way, they're on the run from Typhon. As you do. And they either transform into fish and escape, or they are rescued by two fish, which they then ride to safety. In some versions of the story, including in Ovid's Metamorphosis, river nymphs call the fish to their rescue. In other stories, there's no mention of the nymphs at all, and the fish just show up on their own. In Ovid, he writes, She pales with fear and believes a hostile band approaches. As she clutches son to breast, she cries, To the rescue, nymphae, and bring help to two divinities. No delay, she leapt. Twin fish went underneath them, for which you see the present stars are named. You know what? Shout out to Ovid for fighting against nymph erasure. At least somebody in ancient history was trying to give their nymphs their Mm -hmm. due for coming to the rescue here. But anyways, yeah, that's pretty much the whole first set of myths. Story over. So there's no, like, about face or second act with Ajapan becoming a war hero. Nothing like that here. (laughs) No, no, no. All we know is they get away. None of that. It's just either fish come to the rescue or they escape by turning into fish and get away. That's all that's important. That's all you need to know. Well, the other Greco-Roman version of this myth is also pretty lackluster. So this version comes from Gaius Julius Hygienus, who was allegedly a prolific Latin author. And I say allegedly because many of his works were destroyed, so they say. But one of his surviving works was called Fabuli, and he was basically recording short versions of the myths of the day. So in Fabuli, he states that Pisces was named after the two fish who rescued an egg that had fallen into the Euphrates River. That egg would later go on to become Aphrodite or Venus, and that's the story. Wow, yeah, that's another pretty barren one. I mean, basically fish to the rescue, either they rescue Aphrodite when she's fully grown or when she's still in egg form. By the way, fish are important. I like it better than some other creation myths of Aphrodite for sure. You know, in part, this story might be so sparse because of the source material. Fabuli is noted for being very plain and very simple, but for some of these oral stories of the time, this is all we have left. Yeah, all we have here really is an outline of an outline. Just Mm -hmm. the barest bones of the story survive. And right now, this could have been a good opportunity to talk about some of the other myths, because as you mentioned at the top, this iconography has been present all throughout history would have been a great opportunity to talk about non-Greco-Roman myths. Unfortunately, there isn't a ton out there, except for that iconography itself. Mm -hmm. While fish pop up in other religious stories and in folklore, including in Grimm's fairy tales, there isn't any clear connection to Pisces, the constellation. Yeah, so I guess making sense of the themes and doing our usual analysis is just going to be pretty short this month, huh? Yeah, it's not a lot thematically compelling about gotta save the Greco-Roman gods when wartime comes. 
No, especially because the Greco-Roman gods are such bullies. It's really hard to root for them. Yeah, at least Agapan comes through and does something heroic. But mm -hmm. yeah, Aphrodite, what we, that's why I'm kind of always deep down rooting for Typhon. Time to overthrow these guys. The only thing that I did read that was somewhat interesting was that these myths were used to justify prohibitions on eating fish for some groups, with the idea being don't eat the fish because it might be Aphrodite or it might have been a fish that protected Aphrodite. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a good reminder of the purpose and utility of myth, but it wasn't a very well-documented use of this myth, and so I'm not really sure whether that was the purpose here. The only other thing is it's interesting that the gods in Greco-Roman religion run away from Typhon. I guess that's kind of interesting that their gods are fallible. But again, I don't think that's the purpose of this myth. And there's not too much more to dig into. Kit, I think those are great points. I think we did a good job here considering the source content. Let's take a quick break and then we'll get to our ret constellations. This month is kind of also a tricky wreck constellation because this time there isn't an obvious switch or flip to make. You know, with Ganymede and Aquarius, it was obvious what we needed to change mm -hmm. here. But this one's a little bit more difficult. Yeah, this one I struggled with for a while and really had to spend some time percolating on it. That's not the reason that this podcast is a little late this month, but uh, we can pretend it is. Yeah, we're percolating. Uh, we're percolating. So I went out on a walk with my partner, who I think we have determined we're just going to call Brian of the Pod or Bop. So when we were out walking, I was thinking about these stories and wondering, what did I expect to see? Because I can tell you what I didn't expect was a story about Aphrodite and Eros running away from Typhon, although always happy to see Typhon. Always, yeah. I was thinking about how I would have told this story if I wanted it to make sense. Mm -hmm. So rather than a ret constellation, I created what I would call a reboot of the original myth. So in my reboot, Zeus or another god, but probably Zeus, because Zeus just seems like he's just always in a he's, mood. He's got the highest jerk potential out of all of them, for sure. Exactly. So Zeus is mad at humans and causes a famine. Because why not? Zeus why is not? causing floods. Zeus is just, like, kidnapping people. This just seems right up Zeus's alley. So he's yeah, mad he, for whatever reason. Yeah, he finally unlocked famine in his, like, toolbox of ways to torture humanity. And, yeah, he's ready to see what happens. Right. And so everyone is struggling and dying and starving to death. And in my reboot, fish end up sacrificing themselves to the humans by jumping onto the beach and beaching themselves so that the humans have sustenance with which to live. And as a result, the humans remember these fish in the stars for their sacrifice. Yeah, I like this reboot. It makes sense. It tells us about humans needing and appreciating the natural world. Very, very good. Yes. Yeah, and that would have at least would have made sense to me if I had seen a myth like that during our research. But I got to tell you that Bop did not like it. Oh, no. <laughs> Bop pretty much immediately after I said this myth said, I don't like that moral. Oh, that the fish have to sacrifice themselves mm -hmm. for the greedy humans? Mm -hmm. Didn't like that, though. That's the beginning of any good constellation is I don't like that. At the same time, I also was asking, well, what would you prefer? Come up with something better. So he did end up coming up with a constellation of my reboot. Perfect. So he's elaborated a bit, and I will cast the scene now. 
we open on two prideful clans. Both treasure and prize their fishing prowess and want to prove they are the best at fishing. But they're also greedy and begin fishing more and more to the extreme to catch the biggest, most beautiful fish that they can. They're not fishing to sustain their villages or themselves, but to prove that they are the best at fishing. And they continue to do this until there are only two fish left in their regional area. The fish, rightfully terrified, go to Poseidon. Or you know what, they, they go to another, another sea god. Or maybe, you know what, maybe they go to a sea nymph, right? Mm. Sea nymph, okay. Sea nymph, because you know Poseidon doesn't care. The fish beg for help from a sea nymph who is enraged by the behavior of the humans and cast the last two fish into the night sky, thereby making it impossible for the humans to continue their boastful fishing ways. Bob, I mean, he came through on this one. He did <laughs> offer a pretty great reconciliation. I guess he did my job this month. So thanks, Bob. Thanks. Appreciate it. But it's a great flip of your reboot, you know, because yours kind of hints at gotta care about the natural world. It might be all you need to survive. And then his kind of is like, yes, but if you exploit the natural mm -hmm. world, you will have to deal with those consequences. And I think that's a really great moral. It's at least better than like fish might save you if you're <laughs> running away from the father of monsters. Although, of course, always happy to have Typhon. Yeah, but I really wish there had been a way to get Typhon into the yeah. into these myths. I mean, I think you both did a great job. I think he maybe was a little bit harsh on yours, but I, human beings are known to mm, not treat the natural world with the proper respect. And a myth that mm -hmm. sort of gets at that could be pretty important for us here today. Welcome back to our final segment, Pop Culture Superstar. In this segment, Kit and I share our favorite and least favorite appearances of the Constellation of the Month in pop culture or the real world, and then we'll let you know what we wish existed using this branding. Yeah, honestly, there wasn't as much Pisces in pop culture or the real world as I expected. I really expected this to be really widespread, but it, it wasn't. No, there was even less than Aquarius and Capricorn, mm -hmm. although there were a few gems in there. All right, Jordan, I think I know what your favorite pop culture appearance was, but I know we don't like to share them before we get on to record, but the list is short, and one of them just seemed so you. It was like, it, it seemed like you had made up this like thing and created it yourself. Yeah, <laughs> Do you want to tell us? Let's see if I got it right. But what is your favorite pop culture appearance of Pisces, Jordan? Lay it oh, on it's got to be the Pittsburgh Pisces. Yeah. <laughs> Screams out of the encyclopedia right at you. The Pittsburgh yeah. Pisces, of course, as we all know, are the remake. Wait, the fish that saved Pittsburgh. Oh, well, I'm going to get there, yes. The Pittsburgh okay, Pisces, oh, are, oh yes, are featured in the film, The Fish That Saved Pittsburgh. Which is a 1979 uh, sports fantasy comedy movie. Uh, it tells the story of a team called the Pittsburgh Pythons, originally, who are on an extreme losing streak. No team chemistry. Everybody's bickering. Their players are demanding to be traded, etc., etc. It's just got a bad vibe all around. Their star player, Moses Guthrie, is played by Julius Irving, and he just happens to be a Pisces, unfortunately the astrological form. But 
as the losing streak continues, and I did watch this movie, by the way. I gave it a full My watch. Gosh, look at you doing your research. Oh, it's it's a good one for sure. I'd recommend it to any and all. So okay. the team, desperate to try to write the track here, they elicit the help of a professional astrologer played by Stucker <laughs> Channing who is Rizzo from Greece. You know, you can oh remember the tough girl from Greece. She's uh-huh. got a giant wig here. I read that they originally wanted Cher to play this part, and she mm. would have also been amazing at it, but apparently mm-hmm. she backed out at the last moment. Maybe she was jealous that Dr. J has better hair than her. I don't know. <laughs> but eventually, she backs out, and the thrust of this plot comes from open invitations the team holds for anyone who happens to be a Pisces star sign. And they get, like, construction workers, they get a reverend, they get a guy who works at a mosque, they get, like, a tiny little white guy who they called Set Shot. And the only thing they have in common, not professional basketball players, is that they all share the Pisces sign. Eventually, the team, much like in the Mighty Ducks film, Mm -hmm. they bond together despite their differences and despite the fact that they're all misfits. And as the movie reaches its climax, they get new jerseys the pittsburgh pythons jerseys are out the pittsburgh pisces jerseys are in they're pink they're teal they're sparkly they're beautiful and it was at that moment i just knew this is my favorite pop culture pisces hands down i want the jersey i hope you post the link to it they also have these amazing pisces warm-ups with a hood you know we love a good hood we do but but yes as a current resident of pittsburgh a fan of dr j and teal and pink the pittsburgh pisces are my obvious number one pop culture appearance it's so good. Like, when I saw it, I was like, I know that Jordan's going to pick this, and I want to pick it. Oh, it was great. I mean, like you said, not a lot of options. So that's yeah. why I knew if I was going to claim it, I had to watch it. I had to give yeah. you a thorough breakdown. Yes, didn't, I liked it. Yeah, didn't want to waste this opportunity here. If you need any other questions, I'll be having an AMA about the Fish and Save <laughs> Pittsburgh. Uh, we'll do that live. Oh, I can wow. tell you about the Kareem scenes, the Norm Nixon wow. scenes, the mayor of pittsburgh at the time is there what? yeah he's yeah. in it he's in the movie all the characters are very eccentric oh, wow. and they win the championship what spoilers. more could you ask for spoilers spoilers, <laughs> spoilers. spoilers for Too this ni- for this 1979 movie there's also some great Pisces songs in this movie as wow. well. So I that's my in. I knew that you were going to pick The Fish That Saved Pittsburgh. So I had to keep searching. And there was a submergence underwater vehicle, but that seemed too much like Aquarius. And so what I ended up picking was a song called mm. Pisces from the Ukrainian metal band Ginger. I don't know if the J is pronounced like a J. Did you listen to this? I didn't listen, but I saw it. The the spelling really leapt out at me. Do you want to tell them how they spell Ginger? J-I-N-J-E-R. <laughs> You'll love to see it. It's so I don't know, creative. I don't know if that's, you know, there might be another pronunciation. Um, but I went into this, so I don't really listen to any metal music. Mm-mm. And that's not a genre I'm very familiar with, but I... I knew sort of the idea, and I was like, well, maybe this will be my least favorite. And I started to listen to it. I put it on YouTube. The lead singer just 
looks amazing first of all <laughs> like your whole look is amazing i love it it's got like a and hair metal a hair metal vibe no here, no no death like metal. A, I no just like dark makeup really cool like um nose ring just oh like dark, wow yeah just like a cool look i started listening to it and i was like well this doesn't sound like metal to me mm. i was like this is good this is oh this is a you know not a bop but like this is a mood it's a mood and then we hit the chorus and this lady's voice goes from like oh this seems like it could be on in like a you know a coffee shop to just like i just i wish i could put my face on the screen because my eyes just bugged out and i was like literally in my notes i was like how how oh we're talking how? like like a how hot. A high voice or no, an low oh, and like okay. yelling and mm. like growly mm. and and it was like there was somebody in the YouTube comments that was like yeah you have to have somebody that can like sing like an angel and then also sound like a devil and I was like <laughs> I don't agree with that iconography but I was like how did her voice do this yes well obviously inspired by the Pisces miss <laughs> she knew she really had to bring it you know well, the two, yeah. you know the two sides of the fish pulling in opposite directions ah great point great point the voice no? of the angel yes 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 mm -hmm, mm -hmm. excellent so that's so, what I love about this pod for you and me. Not so not so much the listener, but we get to experience things we wouldn't get to you know encounter yeah. otherwise. Like I know I've known you for a while, and the ginger <laughs> death metal scene is not something we've really touched on before. Mm -mm. But I am glad that was it better than you expected. I mean, it's your best. It was way better. Yeah, I was I'm, like, this is not my favorite genre of music still, but I was very impressed. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, this. If I can't pick the fish that saved Pittsburgh, this is going to be my choice. Great choice. About it. Great choice. I'm going to load it up as soon as this podcast ends. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to expand my borders here. You know, the ocean <laughs> is vast, and I never know exactly where I should be swimming. So if this is a place, Ginger, if you're a big Ginger head out there, you love Ginger's music, let us know where we should go after Pisces here. All right, great pick. And the fact that it was originally in the running for your least favorite, but wound up being mm -hmm. most favorite, that says quite a lot. Mm -hmm. You know, won you over. I'm to change my mind. Yeah, won you, know? you over. All right. Yeah. Well, can I tell you my least favorite? Yeah, let's go. All right, I had two here. I don't want to step on your turf, so I'm only mm -hmm. going to get into one. But my least favorite is the Pisces Border Control mm -hmm. Database. You see this? Mm -hmm. the, oh, I did. Oh, yeah. But I was going to pick it, and then I was like, if I talk about this, will I end up on the list? Yep, I thought about that, too. Definitely. <laughs> so we could just leave it at that. Yep, I'll be brief. I'll let you know that Pisces Great. stands for Personal Identification, Secure Comparison, and Evaluation System. And mm -hmm. it's used by the Department of State since 1997 to survey people coming across the border. Obviously, it's my least favorite because I think it's probably used for nefarious data networks and probably has biographical information on people that it should shouldn't we could get into more details on that but, but we you, won't but we won't uh, not we're just trying to have <laughs> we, a nice we don't want to be on a list no we're just trying to have a nice uh, astronomy mythology podcast here mm -hmm. but my second least favorite well we'll see if you picked it what was your least favorite well this was really hard there just wasn't a lot to pick from i found like a board game mm -hmm. or like some kind of online game that was like a fishing game. It called it was like Pisces high stakes fishing, and I thought boring, but yeah. also then I felt bad because I was like, well, maybe this is a startup. I don't want to hurt their feelings. Yeah, maybe it's someone's favorite game. 
maybe it's relaxing for folks who like don't live near a place you can go fishing. Great point. There was a there was a novel called Pisces. Uh, yeah, I saw but, that. But it appeared to win lots of awards. The premise looked a little confusing to me, but I didn't want to read it. Yeah. So I didn't want to do that. So I decided in the end to go back to the beginning mm. and decide that my least favorite appearance will be on Stargate. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see that coming. Good, good, it's good. in position 34. So great. that's my choice. Okay, great. When in doubt, it's nice to see that we like got out of the ocean of the sky the same way we started. Um, excellent choice. Yeah, we hate to see it on the Stargate. My choice, second for least favorite, uh, was Pisces, the comic book character. Did you see oh, this? Oh, I did see that. Yeah, like the Aquaman ripoff. That comes right. in all sorts of different variations. Just seemed like pretty corny and mm -hmm. kept dying. You know, there's yes, like six, di a lot. six different variations. Mm -hmm. uh, has like a teleportation device and can transform in water. But all around seems like a pretty weak superhero. So yeah, if I didn't have such a disdain for the American border security, that definitely would have been my least favorite. But okay. I'm proud yeah. of us. We did some hard research here. Mm -hmm. We learned some new music. And it's always a pleasure to go back to the Stargate. Um, and I'm, uh, I'm glad that you, you made sure it had its place there. I guess it's time for us to do what we wished for. And there's a lot of places you can go with this. Do you want to go first for what you wish for? Sure. you would make Pisces branded? Sure, sure, sure. Well, this actually gets back to what you were saying you were trying to avoid. Um, Great. But I was inspired by the submersible that we saw here in mm. the list of Pisces that already exists. And what it I want, cool. what I want are in the future, like high speed submarine racing submersibles. Mm. I'm thinking kind of like a pod racing in Star mm -hmm. Wars or F1 kind of racing vibe, but just like tiny two person mm -hmm. speed submersibles, two people because two fish and kind right. of like a steampunk. Yeah. Steampunky kind of Atlantis thing. We'll have but to yeah, workshop that. Yeah, have to workshop that. But immediately, if I want a Pisces, I'm trying to start up a submarine racing league. And with obstacle course, whole yep. thing. If we like watching cars go around on the track, I'm sure we're going to like submarine racing where they can go up and down too, mm -hmm. you know. So, yeah, yeah, that's my vote. That's what I want the Pisces branding on. And I want to be able to watch it on ESPN too, like tomorrow. <laughs> but all right, what about you? If you yeah, can put I like the that. Yeah, if you can put the Pisces branding anywhere, where are you going with it? Well, I had two. Both are quite short, not as well thought out or elaborate as yours. So the first was Reese's Pisces. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. Oh, are they what I think they are? Like little well, fish? They're, yeah, they're fish-shaped Reese's Pisces. <laughs> I'm so glad we're doing these live. Yeah, great. So it's like if it was a goldfish, but it was a Reese's yeah. Pieces. Right. And Incredible say, work. Incredible work. I will give credit to Bop. Bop the, had, had the inspiration here. And I was like, does it get better than that? No, that's going to be the high point of the podcast for me. I mean, I spent a lot of my life for, like revolve around puns and portmanteaus. Uh, but Reese's Pisces is really, really, really good. good. Yeah, I mean, you can say the other one if you want, but that's pretty amazing. The other one was less good. Bop probably needs writing credit on this podcast somehow. 
The other one was Pisces arm floaties. Yes, yes, yes. You have the North Fish and the South Fish, and they would, like, keep, you know, children from drowning. So those were what I came up with. Those are, I feel like these are really attainable and really amazing ideas. Yes. Whether or not we're going to be having $500 million racing subs anytime soon, maybe, maybe less. I mean, Reese's Pisces is particularly inspired and maybe makes this whole podcast worth it um, this month, um, despite the lack of mythology. If that's where we're going to get to at the end, I'm very satisfied with the work that we've done here today. We know it's only a matter of time until one of these wishes comes true. We hope you enjoyed learning about the astronomy and mythology of Pisces this month. Next month on Storytime, we're going to be back on land and we're going to discuss Aries, the ram. This has been Kit. And Jordan. Sisters, lovers of stars and stories. And we'll see you next time. On Storytime.